Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. I'm Preston Sharp. Today, I'm recording from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been with family this week over the Thanksgiving holiday, and actually I'm in my parents' podcast studio. So my parents have a wonderful podcast called Life and Love Nuggets. They are licensed professional counselors, and they give just so many great insights and just perspectives and thoughts on relationships. So I highly encourage you to check that out. But that's where I am today. And I've got sound baffles all around me. This is like real professional stuff. So hopefully the sound's a little better today (laughs) than in my little office uh, at my house. But today we're looking at the readings, particularly the Old Testament reading in this first episode for Christ the King Sunday or the Feast of Christ the King. And our reading today is from Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16 and 20 through 24. As Israel is facing a time of exile, the prophet Ezekiel gives the people a word from the Lord. He will be their shepherd. Ezekiel concludes that the reason why Israel is in exile in the first place is because they have had poor leadership or poor shepherds in Jerusalem. The Lord says, I will rescue them from the places to which they have been scattered. That's verse 12. This is a reference to exile. God's people have been scattered. They're in a foreign land. The day of clouds and darkness was the day when Jerusalem was conquered. But the conquering, God says, is not the end of the story. The shepherd will bring back the lost sheep. To a people in exile, God says that he will restore them. He will bring them back. And then Ezekiel kind of mixes metaphors here in a reference to destroying the sleek and the strong. Now, it's clearly a reference to predatory leaders, to false shepherds. Yet somehow these false shepherds are also part of the flock. So verse 21 reveals these leaders as rams or he goats who butt the weak sheep with their horns, driving them away. The bad shepherds of Israel are focused on themselves. They want the riches that come from the flock, the mutton and wool, but they're not concerned about the needs of the flock. Therefore, God himself will take matters into his own hands. In the absence of a good shepherd, God himself will be their shepherd. There's a transition in verse 20. So in verses 11 to 16, God says he will be their shepherd. All right, you guys are far away. You're distant. You've been scattered. You've had bad leaders. So I'm now going to be your shepherd. And then in the second section, he says he will appoint a shepherd. Now, the image of God as the shepherd is found several places in the Old Testament, but it was pretty unique, a pretty unique image for leadership. So a shepherd was an ordinary, lowly profession. And yet the Old Testament uses this metaphor to speak about the authority and even the kingship of God. But why? Well, to understand this image, we have to reflect back on Israel's history. When Israel first entered the promised land, they didn't have a king, and then they asked for one. They wanted a king like other nations. You can find that in 1 Samuel 8. This was a rejection of God's authority. 
Now, why would they do such a thing? Why would they trade God's authority for an everyday king? Well, whether they did this intentionally or subconsciously, God's people did not want to be dependent on God for their safety and security and prosperity. They wanted a king who could raise up armies, who could make deals with other nations, someone they could complain to and control. Now, God ultimately granted their request, but things got really messy really fast. (laughs) Still, somehow then God uses their request in an interesting way, a way that would begin to weave God's healing and redemption into the monarchy, into the kingship of Israel. So we even see that when God's prophet goes to anoint a new king, God leads him to choose not the most likely king, not the one who looks like a king, but the youngest son of the house of Jesse, a shepherd boy. You can read that in 1 Samuel 16. This new king of Israel is to reflect, although always imperfectly, the kingship of God. It is because of David that the people begin to speak of God as a shepherd It is a new image of kingship, and it's radically different from the other pictures of kings that they've had before and radically different than the images of leadership we have today. Yet because it's so different, the world is always resistant to this kind of kingship. Nations tend to prefer a strong man, a dominant one, a king who will reflect our hopes and desires for the world. Verse 23 makes this reference clear, saying that there will be One day there will be one shepherd, a righteous king from the line of David. Now notice that this new ruler is not called a king, but a prince. For God is still their king and will always be their king. The new ruler in the line of David will rule with God or on God's behalf. The ruler will not be like all the false shepherds who only look out for themselves. Through this king, God will put things back in order. Now, Ezekiel likely had in mind the immediate restoration of the house of David in Jerusalem, that David's lineage and kingship would be restored in Jerusalem. But for Christians, it makes sense for us to see this as an anticipation of Jesus. Such pictures of God flip the world's concept of leadership on its head. Over the past few decades, many elements of society have been laser-focused on this concept of leadership and certain skills that make effective leaders. The church has not been immune from this, far far from it. Unfortunately, much of pastoral ministry, who pastors are called to be, has over the past few decades been centered on the importing of leadership principles into the vocation, secular leadership principles. Now, at the time of Jesus, there had been many people who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. Among them was this guy named Throngis. He was a shepherd by trade, and his nickname was the Shepherd. But he killed a bunch of Romans, thus revealing himself to be a false shepherd, because this is not the way the kingdom of God works. So when Jesus, in John 10, reveals himself as the good shepherd, it is a picture of the one who is both a son of David and a son of God. In the midst of such false shepherds, Jesus asks, who is the shepherd who's actually willing to lay down his life for the sheep? Do you hear the voice of that shepherd? Because he's the good shepherd. 
And then we see in throughout the Gospels that people are hearing Jesus's voice and following him all over the place. The man born blind, the woman at the well, the official whose son was healed and his whole family, they follow him because they trust him. He has bound up their wounds. He's cared for them just as a shepherd does. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.